Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just want to ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen, and we pray that you are blessed. Happy Sabbath, everybody. Happy Mother's Day weekend to all the mothers again. Uh, man, today is uh, it's a day that we can just take time and honor those who have blessed us with so much life. We realize that we would not be here if it had not been for them. Amen. And so we just want to honor all the mothers, Carol and everyone else and that I see out there who is a mother. I just want to thank you for, again, your contribution, your sacrifice. We got some, we got some new mothers in the house. I got, we got a, a few newborn babies bouncing around here, right? Four months old, four months. Well, not really new. I mean, you got a couple older kids, but some newer mothers. And then we got some older seasoned mothers whose kids are, are grown and gone. Amen. Growing and gone out the house, doing their own thing. And you are giving back to, a next, to the next generation. And we're just so grateful, you know, for those who are in the building, for those who are online. Thank you so much. And we want to we just salute and give honor to our mothers. I want to just acknowledge one person who's in the building with us today. And this individual has really become almost like um, one of the one of our our de facto mothers um, here at Relove, but more specifically on our staff, and that is Paula. I just want to. Can we just put our hands together? I just want to acknowledge Paula in the house. Listen, she she stepped into the role of engagement coordinator uh, over just over a year ago. And uh, I mean, she brings us food to staff meetings. I'm not talking about like, like Krispy Kreme donuts. Like I'm talking about food that she done made that morning. She's always looking out for the team, for the staff, making sure that we got everything that we need and that we're covered. Um, and not just for us, but I know that she has played a, a major role in some of your lives, just in the time that she's been here, connecting with you and making sure that you have what you need to, to continue to grow spiritually. So Paula, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And I know you have your family here who is also just so grateful for your love and your dedication. She talks of you all often. Let me just say that. Every staff meeting that we get together, she's like, Let's, okay, let me, not, let me stop. Let me stop. But she's just like, I love my family. She reminds us every week how much she loves her family. And so I'm just so grateful for, for her and for, um, for the role that she's played in our, in our team and our, in our church. Uh, family, let's, let's go to the Word. It's so good to see so many people here. Um, let's go to the Word. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you again um, for this opportunity to open your Word. Uh, we thank you. We thank you for your Spirit, which still works and is moving. Lord, we thank you that you haven't given up on us like a mother who continues to love her child you continue to lavish us and even though father there are times when we don't feel it we don't maybe even see it it seems as though you're distant god the reason why we are here 
right now, today, is because of your love for us. If it had not been your love, we would not be here. And so we're grateful. And so, Lord, as we open your word, we should open our hearts. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let the church say amen. Amen. Uh, so, so in alignment with our theme today, I want to talk with you a little bit about a mother's love, if I can. And I want to start this message off really talking about um, parenting. Uh, I have not preached a parenting sermon here. Um, I think rightly so, because I still don't know what I'm doing. And I'm still trying to figure it out. But I want to talk just a minute about the joys of parenting. I, I have, as you all know, I got three girls myself. Um, a four-year-old, a six-year-old, and an eight-year-old. And they are our life, and they are our headache all at the same time, if I have a witness. And they did something this week that was interesting. I, I, my, my middle child, Amelia, she is a budding magician. Um, she, she wants to grow up to be a magician and a singer. Um, Shalaya, I'm going to need some voice lessons for her. <laughs> Uh, she wants to be a singer. She wants to be a magician. And so she has these, these homemade magic tricks in, that she engages in. And I don't know where she gets them from because I have not invested in a magic kit for her yet. I'm going to do that soon. But she has these homemade magic tricks. And just this last week, she had one where she, uh, it was a disappearing act. And she, she took a towel. She said, I got a trick. I got a, every week she has a new magic trick. So this week she has a towel and she, she stands on a bench and she holds the towel up and she says, I'm going to disappear um, behind this towel. And she holds the towel up. She says, abracadabra, one, two, three. And then she drops down to the floor and, and she's standing on a bench and she's like, don't look at the bench. Whatever you do, don't look at the bench. Okay, so I'm not going to look at the bench, Millie. I'm not going to look. And she drops down and she's gone. Just like that, she vanishes. And she has these tricks that she comes up with. And then her little sister, um, um, Elise, also has the, the desire to be like her, her older sister. And so she has to do the same trick. And she's not quite as coordinated yet as her older sister. And so the tricks don't go off as well. But it's just so funny and it's so life-giving watching them um, as they are trying to explore um, the, the different realities of life. And it really, to me, just is a joy to be there their father, to watch them grow and develop, it brings me so much joy. And I think most parents feel that way. When you see your children do things that are cute, when you see your kids exploring the possibility and you start to see where their gifts and their strengths lie and where their interests lies, um, you start to say, man, I'm just so honored just to be able to have a front row seat at your life to see where you are going. And yet I'm also aware that with my daughters, there's also not just joy, but there is at times some pain when you see them disobeying or deviating from the path that you're trying to lay out for them. You get a little frustrated and annoyed. You, you have to instruct them over and over. Or when they fall and scrape their knee and they're, and they're crying or they, they, they have to go to the hospital for some reason, you, you, you feel the pain of, oh no, what's going to happen to my child? And as much joy as there is in parenting, there is also some pain and some heartache that's also associated with parenting. Do I got any parents in the house who can just testify to that with me? Amen? Yeah. And what's interesting is I think that uh, though I'm not there yet, I can only imagine that as the 
my daughters grow up and as your children have grown up, and if you have children one day as they grow up, that there will possibly be that tension where it'll almost feel like the joys of parenting are becoming overwhelmed by the pain of parenting. As you see your kids become teenagers and growing older and then making decisions, hanging out with some people that you don't recommend they hang out with and going places that you recommend they don't, that you suggest they don't go, but because they're now more independent and they have the ability to move around themselves, you begin to see them charting a path that might be different from the path that you desire for your kids themselves. And you start to realize, you know what? If something doesn't happen, if there's not some type of intervention, I don't know what's going to happen to my child. And there really is a, a, a pain. That, it's almost like a pain that turns into a sorrow. If you have a child and you recognize that child is deviating from the path and really is not living up to their full potential. I remember talking to a mother um, from a previous church many, many years ago. And I grew, actually grew up with her son and she was having a conversation with me and her son was into the wrong crowds, doing the wrong things, living his life as wildly as he wanted to. And she were talking to me and I was like, man, how's he doing? What's going on in his life? And she said, you know what, Seth? I just had to let him go. And I could hear the pain in her voice and the sorrow in her voice as she was just expressing just the level of disappointment that her son was making significantly bad choices throughout his life that would somehow sabotage his full potential and there was nothing she could do about it. She just said, I have to let him go. And yet, even though she... Ernie let him go. Her love did not let him go. Her love still remained and she still prayed for him as any mother or any father would continue to pray for their child as they see their child deviating from the path. And the reality is, is that some of us in here may have been that child who was deviating from the path when we were growing up. And it was only by the grace of God that as we have gotten older, maybe we've made better decisions that are coming back to where we feel God's life, where he wants our life in alignment with his will. But it's because someone was praying for us. Do I got a witness in the house or online where you know that, listen, I'm only here because someone in my life was praying for me every step of the way. When I, George, wasn't even praying for myself. I had a mother a mother-like figure who in the midnight hour was spending time on her knees and who was praying for me. I can only imagine what that prodigal father felt like in Luke chapter 15 when he saw his son pack up all his belongings, put them on the wagon, get a few horses and, and, and hitch them to the wagon and then to head off into a distant city. I can only imagine how that father, that parent was standing on the steps of his house watching his son ride off into the sunset as this prodigal son decided that I no longer want to live under your household. I no longer want to live under your rules. I no longer want to live according to your standard. I want to, I, want to, I want to stretch out there and do my own thing. I can only imagine the father saying, I can't go with you, but my love remains. 
And we know this is true if you're familiar with Luke 15. Because when the son decided to come back, it was a father who was standing there when the son left, but he was also standing where when the son returned. And he didn't have judgment for him. He didn't have condemnation for him. He said, my son who is dead is now alive because the father's son, the father's love remains. And like any parent, our love for our children remains consistent regardless of the decisions that they make. In spite of the sorrow and in spite of the pain, we still love them. And this is where we find ourselves today in the book of Jeremiah. Because in Jeremiah, as you know, if you've been following along, we've been kind of walking through the book of Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah is a a book where Jeremiah has been called from the womb to be a prophet to the kingdom of Judah. And he has been called to preach to the kingdom of Judah and let them know that, listen, unless you repent, unless you turn away from your sin, you're going to go into captivity. And Jeremiah has had a roughly very large, large and hard life. He has had a hard life to live. For 40 years, he's been preaching the same message. For 40 years, he's been trying to get the people to turn back to God. And for 40 years, they have not listened to him, but they've actually been persecuting him. He's been in prison. He's been beaten. He's been ostracized. He's been placed in cisterns. He's been shut out by his family. He's been shut out by his friends. He's been shut out by the, by the church, by the priest, uh, by everyone around him. And throughout the entire book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is essentially saying, would you please just come back to God? And his heart is mourning. He's actually called the weeping prophet because he spends the entire book weeping over these people who refuse to follow God. Do you know that Jeremiah also wrote the book of Lamentations? Lamentations, what does that sound like? A a lament, where Jeremiah is again taking up the same chords and saying, listen, oh Jerusalem, oh God's people. In, In the book of Lamentations, he's not crying over what will happen. In the book of Lamentations, he's lamenting what has already happened. So just follow me, follow me. In the book of Jeremiah, he's crying out and he's weeping and saying, please return, please return, please return. Don't turn your back on God. Don't walk away from God. Don't, don't, don't reject God. And he's crying because he knows that if you don't repent, you are going to be placed in captivity. Well, they don't turn. They don't repent. They don't return. And they are placed in captivity. And so Jeremiah then begins to write the book of Lamentations as he's lamenting the destruction that has come upon the people of God. So so the book of Jeremiah is a, a, a cry for what will happen. The book of Lamentations is a mourning of what did happen. His entire life was filled with sorrow as he watched God's people turn their back on God. It's almost like a parent, a mother, who all of her life is filled with sorrow as she watches her children, one after the other, turn their back and walk away from God. But in the middle of Jeremiah's sorrow, in the middle of Jeremiah's pain, in the middle of Jeremiah's mourning and weeping, he has a vision from the Lord. And I want to just take you to Jeremiah chapter 31 today. 
Because in Jeremiah 31, we see how God feels about his people. Now, mind you, these are people who didn't listen to him. These are people who have turned their back on him. These are people who refuse to be obedient to him and faithful to him. This is how God feels about them. As I was reading it this week, I couldn't, it, it literally blew my mind. At the level of, of grace and compassion that God has. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how you are feeling when someone, when your child, any mothers in the house who like, listen, when your child doesn't listen to you, how do you feel about that? What do you do when, you're, when, you're, when your kid don't listen? Come on now, talk to me. Anybody here know about that wooden spoon? Does anybody in there here know? Can anyone testify to the wooden spoon? I, I, you know, maybe I shouldn't say that from the pulpit because I, I posted that. I posted a, qu- a, a question on Facebook not too long ago and, and people wore me out on Facebook. They wore me out, Miss <laughs> Sheila. I was, just, I, I was just trying to genuinely wonder, like, at what age do you stop spanking your kids? And they're like, spanking your kids? You still spank your kids? And they, and they almost called the Child Protective Services on me via Facebook. And, uh, and so maybe let me not say that, but, but are there any parents who, um, uh, you don't use the spoon on your kids, but maybe the spoon was used on you. Anybody in the house who just knows that you, you suffered a mighty good whooping in your, in your day? Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of times we experience it because, I mean, the reality is because, yes, we're not listening to our parents, but the other reality is that some of us, our parents are just tired. <laughs> it's a lot easier for me just to spank you than to talk to you. Do I got a witness in the house? Yeah, I'm just tired, so I'm just going to beat you. Like, I'm just tired, right? You don't listen, so I'm not wasting any more words. Let's just feel my pain. Feel my, feel my hand across your bottom. So, so when you think about when you think about how do you respond to people who children who are disobedient, God is just the same. God's like, listen, listen. Like, if you don't want to listen, if you don't want to repent, if you don't want to follow me, like, I'm just gonna send you into. You're gonna be grounded. He essentially is grounding the Judah. He's like, I'm gonna send you into captivity, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you over to the state. Is essentially what he's saying. I'm gonna give you over to the law. And so he gives them over, and Jeremiah is upset and frustrated and annoyed that these people won't listen. But in the middle of it, just like your mama, who she used to wear your hips out, like in the middle of her wearing your hips out, she'd be like, but baby, I still love you. Did you have you ever heard your parents like still tell you they love you even while they spanking you? Listen, it, yeah, yeah, that's probably the most annoying time to tell somebody you love them. Like you are in the middle of executing corporal punishment upon your child for not listening. And yet you're saying, listen, I'm only doing this because I love you. No, you do not love me. Like that's the child's perspective. If you love me, you would not do this. But, but, but in the middle of Jeremiah, Jeremiah goes into vision. And I want you to listen to what God says to him in Jeremiah chapter 31 in verse 3. It says, in that day, in that day, verse 1, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they will be my people. So he takes Jeremiah into vision, and he's like, Jeremiah, I want you to understand that, yes, they are going into captivity. Yes, I'm putting them away. Yes, they're going to be grounded. Yes, they're going to be on punishment. Yes, they're going to be on, on timeout. But Jeremiah, I want you to understand that they're not always going to be on timeout. They're not always going to be under Babylonian captivity. They're not always going to be under the hand of the oppressor. But on that day, I will, I will restore them, he says. I will be the God of the families of Israel, and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says, verse 2. Those who survive the coming destruction will find blessings even in the barren land. 
for I will give rest to the people of Israel. Verse three, long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. Catch what he's saying. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. In the middle of God's corporal punishment, in the middle of God's judgment, in the middle of God sending them into captivity, in the middle of God using a pagan nation to execute judgment on his people who would not listen, Carol, God says, listen, I want to let you know that I have always loved you. I've always loved you. Now, now, Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3 is actually God hearkening back to something he said in Deuteronomy in chapter 7. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 7, he just brings the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And he wants, to, he wants the people to know exactly why I have brought you out of Egyptian bondage. Because some of you all might think that the reason why God loves you is because you act good. Some of you all might think that the reason why God loves you is because you go to church every week or you follow me or you listen to me or you, you submit to and you're obedient to the Father. Some of us might think that the reason why and the reason how we procure the love and we maintain the love of God over our lives is if we live a certain way and act a certain way and be a certain way. But God just wants to put an end to that, to that myth that's out there. And he says, listen, no, I have loved you with an unfailing love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And now I want to show you the source, the motivation, the reason why I have loved you. In spite of your disobedience, in spite of your hard-headedness, in spite of your foolishness, in spite of that you continue to do those things which I tell you not to do, I want to let you know why I love you. So he takes them to Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. And I just want to read for you what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. He says, for you are a holy people who who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. Now, check what he says in verse 7. He says, the Lord did not, he did not set his heart on you or choose you because you were more numerous than the other nations. For in fact, you were the smallest of all the nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you. And it was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for thousands of generations and lavishes his unfailing love on all those who love and obey his commands. So, so understand what God is saying to the children of Israel. He's like, listen, I don't want you to think I love you because you looked good. It wasn't your looks. I don't want you to think I loved you because you acted good. No, it wasn't your behavior. I loved you because I love you. Because I love you because I love you. And, and all of my love for you is actually rooted in a promise I made to the people before you. That when I was in covenant relationship with Abraham, I promised Abraham that I was going to be by your side, that I would never leave you nor forsake you. I promised Abraham that for better or for worse, till death do us part. I, I actually entered into a covenant, say covenant, 
a covenant relationship with Abraham that said, you know what? No matter what happens, I will love these people. And so now fast forward, God's like, listen, you're not listening to me. You're not following me. You're not obeying me. But I don't want you to think that, that because of your behavior, I somehow don't love you anymore. No, I, like a good mother, I will love you even when you locked up. I still love you. I might not come see you, but I still love you. Even when you strung out, I still love you. Even when you choose to intentionally turn your back on me and walk away from me and, and refuse to listen to me and follow my, my, my counsel and my word, even when you decide to no longer be in a relationship with me, I still love you because I have always loved you. And it's not based on who you are or what you've done. It's based on covenant. I, 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 think, I think, George, we need to have a better understanding of covenant. I, it, it almost feels as though God is saying, like, like God understands that my hand that will to follow me. It's not my, my law that will inspire people to follow me. People don't follow me because I say, I say, tell them what to do. It, it is my love that will inspire people to follow me. It is my love that welcomes people into relationship with me. But we have to understand covenant. Covenant essentially says that no matter what you do, no matter what's going on in your life, I'm still going to be with you. I'm still going to walk with you. I'm still going to rock with you. I still got your back. I mean, it's, it's the relationship ideally that a husband and a wife enter into. When you say for better or for worse, you are saying covenant. Now, if you just said for better, <laughs> for better is contract, right? For better says, well, as long as things are better, then I, I'll rock with you. In fact, there's a song that, that I used to sing, uh, at least to myself, um, by Music Soul Child. I know y'all don't know anything about Music Soul Child in here. Um, by Music Soul Child. It's a song that he says, uh, I'll love you when your hair turns gray. Come on now. And I'll still love you if you gain a little weight. <laughs> Amen, somebody in here. The, the way I feel for you, he says, will always be the same just as long as your love don't change. Yeah, yeah, that's contract. <laughs> I'll love you when your hair turns gray. <laughs> And I'll still love you if you gain a little weight. And the way I feel about you will always be the same as long as you don't change. As long as your love for me doesn't change, I will still love you. But what happens when the person's love does change? Will you still be there? And what God is saying in a covenant relationship is that even if your love changes, even if you no longer love me and want to walk with me and want to rock with me and want, to, and want to be in relationship with me, God says, I will still love you. Now, now, this to me as I'm studying this is mind-blowing because God is communicating this to Jeremiah because Jeremiah is in the midst of like pulling out all of his hair and going into deep depression because the people of God just won't listen to him. And God's saying, Jeremiah, it's okay because even though they won't listen to me and even though they're gonna go into captivity and even though they're gonna have a really hard life, I want you to know, Jeremiah, that I still love them. And I, I, I don't know, but I just, as I was studying it this week, I felt like that was a message for someone in the house of God today. Because some of us need to understand that no matter where you go, God's love will still walk with you. 
It'll still come after you. He still is there. And I know there's some parents in the house when you're looking at your kids and you're wondering, what are they doing? How are you living? Why are you living like this? I want you to know that no matter what your child does or does not do, whatever is happening in your family or in your, in your family of origin, God's love still remains. In fact, Paul says it like this. Even if you make your bed in hell, I will be with you. That if you ascend into the highest parts of the mountain or you take the, 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 the wings of the morning and you fly to the uttermost parts of the world, I will still be with you for nothing can separate you from my love. That's what he says. That God, oh, thank you, Lord, that he doesn't jump us in and out of heaven based off of how good we're doing today. <laughs> yeah. So I had a good day, so therefore I'm, I'm, I'm good. Oh, I had a bad day. I've done some things. I said some things. I, I consumed some things I shouldn't have done. Oh, I'm, somehow I'm, I'm on the outs with God. No, God doesn't jump us in and out of heaven. God says, no, my love for you remains for better or for worse. Just turn to the person next to you and say, for better or for worse. For better or for worse. I mean, you're not saying it to them, but you're just reminding them. <laughs> for better or for worse, God's love remains. And so God comes in Deuteronomy chapter 7, and God gives us the reminder that he has, past tense, always loved us. And then in Jeremiah chapter 31, he gives us a glimpse that he will, present tense, he still loves us. And then he says something in, Deut in Jeremiah 31. He says something in verse 20 that I think is relevant to us today. In verse 20, he says, Is not Israel still my son, my darling child, says the Lord? I, have, I often have to punish him, but I still what? I still love him. That's why I long for him and, and surely will have mercy on him. Set up road signs, put up guideposts, he says. Mark well the path by which you came. Come back again, my virgin Israel. Return to your towns here. How long you wander, my wayward daughter, for the Lord will cause something new to happen. Israel will embrace her God. This, verse 23, is what the Lord of heaven, the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. When I bring them back from captivity, the people of Judah and his towns will again say the Lord bless you O righteous home O holy mountain townspeople and farmers and shepherds alike will live together in peace and happiness for I have given rest to the weary and joy to the sorrowing and then Jeremiah says in verse 26 at this I woke and looked around and my sleep had been sweet Jeremiah's like listen I've been stressed I've been frustrated I've been annoyed it feels as though these people just don't get it and that somehow God's going to cut them off forever. But God says, no, Jeremiah, I will restore them. I will bring them back. And Jeremiah wakes up and says, man, it is so good to hear that no matter what's going on in someone's life, God's love still remains. And no matter what's going on in your life, God's love still remains. Your, your love might be fickle. Come on now, let's talk about it. And my love might be fickle, but God's love is enduring. 
And so God is, is communicating this to Jeremiah. And he's like, listen, I want you to get it. I want you to understand. He's like, I have always loved them. And even today, I love them. My love for them, Old Testament, old school, was based off a covenant that I made with Abraham. But then God says something new was going to happen. And I want to show you, Jeremiah, what I'm going to do with the people of God. Verse 31, then we're almost done. He says, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. The covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. God is saying to us, and I want you to get this, that no matter where you are or your family or your children or your sons or your daughters are, I want you to understand the message today that God is saying, I have always loved you. I presently love you and I will always love you. And that no matter what happens or where you go, or what's happening around you, my love still remains. And my love has never been and will never be based on your behavior. My love has always been and will future tense always be based on covenant. It's the covenant. Again, he says, I will make a new covenant. This time he says, I'm not going to give you a tablet of stones and expect you to keep the law and somehow somehow uh, transformation will come if you just abide by my law. He says, no, 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 no. This new covenant I'm going to give you, I'm going to actually write my law on your hearts through the Holy Spirit. I will put it inside of you so that there will be something deep in your soul that now just pulsates and resonates and, and longs to be with God. God has loved us. God currently loves us. And God will forever love us. God is telling us that his love, I think, is so reflective of the love that a mother has for her child. A love that a mother has for her child is a glimpse of God's love for his children. It's funny because in Jeremiah, God says in Jeremiah 1, he says, before you were in the womb, I knew you. Before you were formed, I knew you. And I've always thought to myself, how is it that, that God was in relationship with Jeremiah before Jeremiah even came forth? Until I began to realize that we see this all the time with women who are pregnant. I mean, pregnant women are, in my opinion, the most beautiful women in the world <laughs> because there is like literally something growing inside of you you may feel like an alien but it's something beautiful it is a picture of God God's love growing inside of you and I remember when my wife was pregnant and there were times when we would see the babies kicking and then I would get close to her stomach and start talking to the children to our daughters in the womb and it was almost as if I knew them even though I had not met them because I was talking to them and I, and I, I hope that they knew my voice as I was talking to them and singing to them there was something special happening as Holly would talk to them and sing to them something special was happening even though we physically could not see our daughters we were able to communicate our love towards them and I feel like God says to us listen 
I have always held you close to me and have always been talking my love over you to the point where that, that even when you might feel like I'm not there, I am always right there by your side. If you would just listen, you will see and experience and understand the love I have for you will always remain. Some of us, man, we, we were not fortunate to have mothers in our lives. Maybe from a young age, some of your mothers had a rough, had a rough road and they were not able to see you grow and mature and they weren't able to be there to, 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 to see you, whether you walk down the aisle or graduate or to get your first job or to see you ride the bike. They weren't, they weren't there present in your life for whatever reason. And yet God's love is there. In fact, he tells us through David, he says that even if your mother and your father cannot be there, my love, I will be there. That I will not abandon you. That even if you grow up in a family that is broken and that it's, there's, 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 there's divorce or there's disagreements or there's, there's tension in your home and, the, and it feels as though the love is not there, God communicates to us very clearly like, listen, I understand that we all value and desire that maternalistic love from our parents and paternalistic love from our father. But for whatever reason, if you're not able to have it or experience it, understand, he says, that I will hold you close. That when they're not there, my love will still remain. So much so that Paul tells us, he says that, you know what? When you understand truly the, the love that God has for you, he says it is like a constraining love over your life. That because you're in covenant with him, now you recognize that, you know what? I just, I just can't, I can't do whatever I want to do and live how I want to live. It's, it's not because I, I don't, I can't do it, but just the love of God is, is so strong. The reality of God's presence in my life is so, so potent that it constrains me. And I want to live for God. I mean, have you ever felt the constraining love of God in your life? Where like you were about to go do your own thing, but you just felt like, you know, God's love is so, so, so palatable and tangible that I just want to live for him. This is what God's saying is that, listen, I don't want to try to call you through, through force or through my law or through what you should or should not do or the threat of hell or the threat of eternal damnation. God's like, no, that's not how I operate. I want to woo you with my love. I want you to see how much I love you. And he has given us a beautiful picture of his love through the love of a mother, through the love of a parent, where we can begin to see just a small glimpse of how much God loves us. And even if we have unfortunately not been able to experience that love, God says, it's okay, because I will still hold you close because you are my child and I love you so when you are going through this week and you might feel just a disconnect between you and the father you might feel as though you are all alone like the decision that you're having to make that no one's there to help you make them you might feel right now that it's just you against the world and that you don't you don't feel and, and sense the presence of God I want to just remind you and let you know in this moment right now that God is with you 
that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And for the mothers and the parents in the house, when you think about your children and how they may not be walking with God and they may be deviating from the path or the plan of God, I want you to know that God has not left them, but that his love is continually coming after them and he will not relent. How much you love them, he loves them all the more. So much so that I just believe and prophesy over your children, like what David experienced when he said, the Lord prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely God's goodness and mercy will follow me. I'm just believing that God's goodness and mercy, his love, his unfailing love will follow your children all the days of their life. No matter where they are, no matter who they're with or who they're by or what decisions they're making, that God God recognizes they're my child. I love them and I will, I'll, I'll deal with them. Don't you worry about it, parent. Don't you worry about it, mama. I got it under control. And for us, that God says, my love for you still remains. So if you don't feel it, inform your feelings. If it feels like there's a disconnect, remind yourself that God is there and always will be there. And that for his people who were actively turning their back against them, if his love remained for them, I promise you, his love remains for you. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to accept the love that you have for us today, that you poured out for us on Calvary, a love that says no matter what happens, no matter what's going on around us, that you will always be by our side. It's not, it's not our goodness or our good looks that, that, that are able to secure your love. It is, it is the, 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 the promise that you made through your son on Calvary, the covenant that we now live in and dwell under that says that for better or for worse, you are still there. Father, may we accept your love. There are some of us in here who on a, like on a cognitive level, okay, we get it. We know the Bible says for God so loved the world. We get it, but we struggle with loving ourselves. We struggle with accepting ourselves. God, my prayer right now is that your children in this house would just release the judgment that they have that they have embraced over their own lives some of us are living in homes that are filled with judgment and condemnation god may we not contribute to that but may we be that person in that family that extends the grace of our god and the love and the mercy that you have extended towards us because we recognize it wasn't anything that we did it was what you did so god my prayer is that we would not just understand the love, but that we would experience your love and that that love would transform our hearts, that that love would bring down our walls of defense and judgment and condemnation, that that love would bring us to a point where we can accept who we are in Christ, we can accept our family in Christ, and that we can just share and be your love to others. So, Father, we just thank you. We praise you, God. There's someone here who, online and in the building who wants to accept your love. You want to say, you know what? 
I was like that prodigal. I was like that, that, that nation of Judah that turned their back on God and I was walking away. And yet I realized God still loves me and I want to be restored into relationship with him. If that is you, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I just want you to raise your hand. I want to open this moment right now for you to make a decision to accept the love of God in your life. To say that, God, I want to accept you. If you're online, you can put it in the chat. Say, I want to accept the love of God in my life. He's loved me when I was unlovable, when I didn't love myself, when I had turned my back on myself and was doing everything I could to sabotage my potential. God did not give up on me. And I want to come and experience his grace one more time. If that's you, just raise your hand. I see your hand. Spirit of the living God, you see the people in this place right now, Father. Lord, would you just draw us into relationship with you? Would you just move us deeper into your into your heart, into understanding your love for us. It's, it sounds so simple and maybe even for some of us so cliche, the love of God, but Lord, it, the love of God really, your love really changes everything. So may we experience it as never before. May our hearts be set ablaze with the reality of your grace over our lives and may we live different because of what you have done for us Father we thank you we bless you in Jesus name let everyone who believes say amen and amen